The first thousand days of a child's life is a once-in-a-lifetime window of brain development. This is when the foundations are laid for future learning and growth. And for children to receive what they need in this stage, parents and caregivers need support, encouragement and information. We believe churches are well positioned to be that community around families. Churches, whether big or small, rich or poor, can play a part in seeing that all children get a strong start to life. This is the Sukunya podcast aimed at helping you take those steps in strengthening families. Visit www.sukunya.org.za to find out more. Today's podcast is all about how to care for families when their children are 0 to 3 months old. This is also known as the fourth trimester, and this is a recording of a conversation hosted by Sakunya in February 2021, where Julie Mentor from Embrace joined us to share great insights and practical ideas of what you can be doing to support families in this stage. So the, the scripture that we've chosen for today is Proverbs 3125. Um, and it says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. And I chose this scripture in preparation for today because I think in um, you're recognizing some of the struggles that mums have or are facing now with having a new baby, um, that we need to remind her that she is clothed in strength and dignity um, and that she can laugh at the days to come. And I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that as well, that we are clothed in strength and dignity. So... Let's just start uh, today with opening up in prayer. So I'm going to say, uh, dear Lord, uh, we come before you today in our lunchtime conversation, uh, connecting from across South Africa. And I thank you for this opportunity with the technology that we're able to do that and that we're able to bring the families that we're supporting before you, Lord, um, and to be able to speak through some of the challenges, some of the highs and lows that they may be experiencing and how we can lovingly support them. Father, as we open up today, may we remember the scripture that we are clothed in strength and dignity and that we can laugh at the days to come, that during the challenges we face across our nation and across the world now, that, um, that we can remember that, that we still have your strength and your dignity and your joy and your peace. Um, and so we give you this time now, and I pray that it be a really good, fruitful and energizing conversation. Um, and I thank you for all the people that have been able to join us and I pray blessings over them today, Lord, and may you bless them and their families with health and to keep safe during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So good to have a room full today and today we're continuing the conversation around how to care for families during the different stages of the first thousand days. So last week we looked at the pregnancy and what's happening in pregnancy and today we're looking at the window of time from birth to about three months, that newborn stage, or what sometimes is called the fourth trimester, the missing trimester. And so that's the window that we're looking at today and saying, how do we care well for moms, dads, caregivers in this time? How do we care well for families and support them in this really unique time? And in preparation for this, Bryony and I were trying to find ways to get us into the shoes of mom. And so I have a quick video that I'd like us to share, just highlighting some of the things that are happening in this window. So it, I'm gonna play my video for you now and I'm trusting it will all work well and then we'll come back. 
Most people are aware of the three trimesters of pregnancy, but many are not so familiar with the term of the fourth trimester. And that's the first six weeks of the postpartum period. So in the fourth trimester, there are many things happening, both with the mom and the baby. For the baby, the baby's learning to feed. That's probably the biggest thing happening in the fourth trimester. For the mom, the mom is still recovering from either her vaginal delivery or her cesarean section. So she's having to take care of her newborn baby, but she's also taking care of her vagina, her breasts, and all the things that are recovering from her birth. I think from a physical standpoint, some things that I just, I didn't think um, about in that fourth trimester is just how tired I was really going to be. Like it is a huge adjustment from going from, from no kids to, to your first child. And I remember thinking, I'm so tired. Can, am, I, am I gonna be able to keep my eyes open? After delivery, uh, there is a rapid depletion of mom's hormone levels, um, even for up to 40% really in the first couple of days after delivery. And that can really send a mom into an emotional tailspin. New moms go through many new emotions. We think of joy, but sometimes we forget that new moms feel overwhelmed, afraid, and very tired. So those emotions are very prevalent in the newborn period because it's a huge undertaking to have a newborn at home. So many women, as many as three out of four women, will get what we call the baby blues, which is feeling down at times, crying at times and feeling a little overwhelmed. That usually resolves in the first few weeks postpartum. When it starts to last much beyond there, especially if a mom does not want to be engaged with her family, engaged with her baby, you know, engaged in daily activities, that's when we start to get concerned for more severe mood disorders. Postpartum anxiety and depression tends to kind of run hand in hand. It's not often clearly one or the other. It can be, but it isn't often. It's often a mix of the two. Um, and in the event that that happens, then certainly the number one thing we want a patient to do is to reach out to somebody so that we can help. I think that a lot of women probably suffer with postpartum depression because they're afraid to say something and they're afraid that society is going to judge them because they're supposed to be like this strong woman or, you know, you maybe you feel like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a strong woman. I got this. I can do this. Hormones are not something that you can control. You feel like there's, there is something wrong or that, you know, something isn't quite right, you know, make sure you, you know, speak up and, you know, talk to your doctor about it. So that, that little video gives us a quick insight into this window. Um, it does go into postnatal depression, and we will be talking about that in a couple of weeks to come and go into more detail around that. But we see in this how much is happening in this short window of time from birth, from the moment baby arrives, or even in hospital going through the whole birthing experience can be quite a moment. I was connecting with some friends the other day and each of us were reminiscing over our birth experience, even though mine was like 12 years ago, my first one, and I can still remember it clearly. It's still vivid in my mind. It was a mark in my life. Um, but in this window of time, we talk about the missing fourth trimester and this idea that babies are born too early maybe even three months too early because they aren't even able to smile, coo or turn over. And compared to other mammals, they actually need a lot of care in that first period of time. And so there's a lot of attention needed in that first few weeks. Baby is needing to feel that same soothing sensation and warmth and nurturing that he or she received in the womb and is craving that 
physical touch um, and care from mom. And so often moms feel like they can't put baby down, that baby will only sleep on their chest, that that sense of like closeness, hearing mom's heartbeat, hearing, smelling mom and feeling really close is so important in this time. So it's a really all hands on deck time where mom can feel overwhelmed at this constant need to care. Uh, in this time, whether it's your first baby, second baby, or third baby, it's an incredible time as each child is a new experience and it's a significant time. And I know when I was chatting to Julie the other day about this, she was saying that with each birth, a mother is born. Um, and I love that. Like it's remembering that with the birth, not just the child is born, but a mother is born and each birth is different. And that there's so many firsts happening at this time. There's firsts for the baby, but there's also firsts for mom. There's the first for around trying to feed and how to work that out. And mom's learning to feed baby and baby's learning to feed. Breastfeeding could be going smoothly or it could be really challenging and a steep learning curve for both mom and baby. Um, there's a whole lot of recovering happening physically for mom. And uh, she's learning to look, care for herself and care for baby. And often moms report of being like really, really tired. Uh, the lack of sleep can be a shock to the system and having to cope with the emotions and the hormones and all of those things going on. So it's a massive period of adjustment. And if I remember, think back to my time, I feel like it was the steepest learning curve in my life that I learned so much in such a short window of time as trying to get to know my child, trying to work out. I didn't even know how to put a nappy on my baby. I had to have a nurse in the hospital explain it. I didn't, I was clueless, right? And so there's so much to learn. And so today I'm very excited to have Julie with us. I know Julie's passion is around how do we care for moms and how do we support moms? Julie is part of Embrace, which is a movement around caring for moms and motherhood. And I'm gonna let Julie introduce herself and explain a little bit about Embrace and what you do. And then we're going to chat a bit with Julie around how do we support and care well for moms. So Julie, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, thank you for joining us today. So good Hi everyone. Oh, thanks so much for having me. What a great way to spend lunchtime on a what day are we Wednesday? Um, yeah, you are a more engaging company than my, my dog and the children, I'm sure. Um, so thanks for the introduction. Yeah, my name is Julie. I um, work for a social justice movement movement called Embrace and um, we're a national movement with a pretty bold vision which is that we want South Africa to grow into or to become the best place to grow into motherhood um, where the power of mothers is realized in terms of social economic and political life and I think part in the Christian context one could say in in relation to spiritual life too so um yeah, and, and so we have four sort of mission points, which um, I just kind of uh, define how we work. So we, we primarily, we advocate for the priorities of early motherhood. So pregnancy, um, sort of this fourth trimester phase being a big one and the, those early years where you're adjusting to growing into that motherhood journey. Um, we elevate the voices and experiences of mothers because we believe that doing that builds community and it makes stakeholders, so that's government officials, you know, ward councillors, whoever may be aware of the lived realities of early motherhood in South Africa. And that's really important because sometimes it's a, it's a time in a, in a person's life when they're often very much homebound. And so how do we make people aware of how difficult it is to 
breastfeed. It doesn't always come, you know, it's natural, but it doesn't always come naturally. Or um, childbirth, the challenges that happen in that space, it was all very hush-hush and quiet and private. Um, and then we identify and capacitate leaders and advocates for mothers to effect meaningful change in their communities. We um, run a fellowship program called Mamandla, um, where we, we look for um, yeah, uh, women who are passionate about advocating and leading in mothered spaces around the country. So we've just recruited our cohort for this year, but if that's something you're interested in, keep following along because we'll be recruiting again towards the end of the year. And it's a great, great experience. Um, and then our fourth mission point is that we seek out opportunities for network building. And I suppose that's sort of what we're doing here today um, to maximize the impact um, for the lives of mothers. So we love networking with organizations, other social movements, faith-based communities, um, because often, you know, first of all, we can learn from each other. You don't have to um, recreate the wheel. Um, people are doing things. Sometimes it's about harnessing that collective power, building, you know, bringing many voices together and sort of shouting a little bit louder. And so we love doing that. That's probably my favorite way to work is with other people. Um, and so that's us in a nutshell. Um, we work around the country. Um, really, we do have a bit, quite a bold, as I said, national agenda for motherhood. Um, and I am very privileged to have been with Embrace for six years now, um, sort of, yeah, capacitating it from, like leading it from the front. So yeah, that is me in a nutshell. I'm a mom of a, yeah, that's an important part. Um, I'm a mom of two little boys. Um, the eldest um, joined our family through adoption. So that was a very different journey into motherhood. Um, and our, our youngest child <laughs> um, is our biological child who yeah, also was quite a, a jolt into motherhood. He came a bit early. Um, and my boys are only 18 months apart. So it was uh, that fourth trimester felt like it, <laughs> it didn't really end. I, don't, I think that fog, they're only, my youngest is five. And so that fog is sort of just feeling like it's starting to lift now, if I'm very honest. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. And Julie and I have been working in the space together since like 2014. I think cut my teeth yep. learning yep. from Julie and being in many meetings around how do we do this. Um, and me, so Julie, vice versa, learning from you. <laughs> um, I know you guys have done a lot of listening and a lot of, you know, sitting around listening to moms in various spaces. You've documented mom stories, especially in the birthing space. Help us put us in the shoes of moms today. What are they experiencing? What are some of the struggles specifically in this early window, newborn birthing? What are the things we need to be aware of as we journey with moms that will build a deeper empathy for us as we try and care and support for moms? So you mentioned the quote about, or you mentioned that I'd mentioned to you in our chat around, you know, birth, not just being a birth of a baby, but also a birth of a mother. And um, there's this wonderful quote by um, a writer who speaks a lot about motherhood, her name's Bunmi Ladetan. If you don't know her, you look her up, she's very funny. Um, and she has this beautiful quote that I use often, and it basically says, birth produces two people. The first, a flailing soul struggling to take in a new world a new way of being, the second, a baby. Mm. And I, I, for me, that is just, it's a profound reminder that the birth, uh, that the, the entry into motherhood is a time of incredible vulnerability and where really you are flailing in a new world where suddenly you have a, an additional responsibility. Um, you've got your body having gone through 
this very real change. And even if you have not given birth biologically, even just the role of motherhood, I mean, I very much experienced it the first time with my eldest son too, you know, suddenly I was, you know, they had the responsibility of this child. And I really went through a sort of a postpartum experience with him too. And so I always like to say that because I think when we think of, of, of birth, um, the focus for society and for most people, the excitement comes around, you know, this new baby that's joining our family. Um, and I don't think that's never um, um, ill-intentioned. It's just a way, you know, it's a new life and it is very exciting, you know, whether it's a grandchild or a niece or a new nephew or um, a new neighbor or community member, it is very important. But sometimes that that all that excitement can often overshadow the experience that the mum is going through. And so I think it's really just important to be quite intentional about um, thinking about the mum. And so I've made it a practice, um, always asking whenever my friends have babies or my sisters or anyone in our family to kind of be quite deliberate, but like, don't jump to see the baby when you go and visit, ask, look at the mum first, um, you know, ask mum how she's doing. Um, so birth, I mean, yeah, we, uh, um, to kind of get back to the question that you asked around the kinds of experiences, yeah, we have a, a real privilege of, of meeting with mums all the time. And, you know, birth can be, as much as it's a wonderful thing, um, it can be very traumatic. Um, so first of all, when we think about birth is I think only 6% of babies come on their due date. So for the 94% of other babies, they don't come when they're expected. And so not only is the process physical and can be very, um, yeah, it can be traumatic, it's beautiful, but it can be traumatic. Um, but when that happens, it can be quite a, a jolt to someone, um, you know, whether your baby comes very, very early, which of course had, brings, brings a, I mean, that kind of fourth trimester, which really should be the third trimester, that is a, a, a very, very traumatic thing. And if you're interested in reading more about what premature mums go through, you can go to our website. We've got a whole story portal about over 20 stories of mums who've given the experiences of, of giving birth prematurely at government hospitals, at private hospitals, um, very different experiences. Um, and then, I mean, again, not everyone has access to the same support network that you might have. And so, for some women who are birthing, say, at their due date, um, it is an experience. So say they might go into labor, they, depending on where they're giving birth, many women are, are simply dropped off at the hospital. I mean, some women, actually, the, the process of getting to the hospital is traumatic, either waiting hours for hours and end um, for an ambulance service or trying to figure out, uh, you know, which neighbor can drive you to the hospital. So just the, the anxiety on getting to the hospital. And then when they're there, not everyone has a partner, not every health facility allows a partner in, which is not really what it's supposed to be. But I'm, I have, I've traveled to many of these facilities where there's a, I took a photo and if you at a quite a prominent hospital um, in Joburg where the sign was outside the labor and delivery door that said no escorts beyond this point. So that means that at a moment when your life is about to change forever, you are on your own. You remember many women specifically giving birth in the public health case sector don't have a particular doctor or midwife that they're going to be seeing. It's whomever is on duty at that time. So you are basically at your most vulnerable with a stranger. And of course, I have also the privilege of working with many healthcare professionals, and I know so many of them try their very best. But the reality is that it's an overwhelming experience with high volumes of women in labor. Um, women will give birth on their own. Um, in the case where it is a, 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 a 
normal vaginal delivery and um, hopefully with no complications that's still obviously a exhausting extremely um uh, can be extremely painful process um, there's no such thing as epidurals um, in the public health sector unless you are going for a cesarean section and then if nothing has um, gone wrong and you've had a, a, a pretty straightforward delivery you'll be discharged sort of eight hours within the next eight hours later so that means that you know, your very raw body, your milk might sort of just be coming in, now has to make its way home. But now you also saddle with this tiny new baby. And my experience of having talked to mums who've had multiple babies before is that, yeah, you may be, like Ruth said, you didn't know how to change a nappy with baby number one. You may know the basics like baby number two, but people who've had really easy breastfeeding journeys around baby one and two might struggle with baby three. Um, you know, the physical recovery is different every time. So it really, that that quote by Bun Miladatan stands up, no matter how experienced you are, it is it is always a transformative experience. Um, you know, we've also spoken to women for whom it's been an incredibly empowering experience. And I think that's part of one of my personal passion points is that we there actually are things that we can do to come around people in the pregnancy stage and around the birth um, experience to make that empowering. But I know that my conversation point is sitting at the post-birth. So I will skip past that now, but would, would be very um, happy to come back and chat about how one could come alongside friends in a what we call a lay doula capacity, which is not maybe some of the formal qualification, but could come along someone who is going to be giving birth. And we've seen that happen quite a bit in COVID times when hospitals have been restricted. And then just to add that layer to the experience, um, we also did a whole series last year, you can go onto our Instagram page and have a look called Moms on Lockdown, um, where we spoke to mothers, we did, um, there's an Instagram live video, you can also catch it on Facebook and our video profile, we spoke to women who were pregnant during lockdown, and so many of the women that you're going to be helping, uh, all the families that you're going to be helping or wanting to assist, have been pregnant during a global pandemic and I never had that experience and I think that is a unique experience because you know the excitement so yes now you've gone through this big physical trauma or um or this hectic experience normally if you are um, at a hospital where perhaps you do stay for a night or two or three nights you have visitors you know you have someone coming to bring you flowers and to get excited and you're like oh my goodness I'm so shattered but yay you know someone's going to come and bring me a present or you know come and see how I'm doing um that can't happen um in, in, for many women they weren't even allowed their partners um um I had a few friends who gave birth last year and their partners were allowed for the delivery, which was which was a real privilege, but then they were only allowed to see them again when they picked them up three days later. So if you can imagine, that's not what, okay, Lauren's putting her hand up saying that was her, okay? That's not the experience I imagine that you ever thought you'd be having. It's not something that anyone could have planned for. And I think we have to be really kind and compassionate to mums and, and really go about acknowledging that. Um, and so, you know, that that was not something you could have foreseen. Um, you know, we another mum I spoke to, she tried for six years of fertility struggles, um, only to give birth in July last year, you know, with the end of her pregnancy being completely different, 
you know, she was expecting of this long awaited baby to have family and friends rally around her and visits in her home. And she had none of that. In fact, she couldn't even have a baby shower. So because it was during the peak of the pandemic. And so I just think that we need to give space for mums and technology. And, and, and I'll speak a bit about the different ways you can come around supporting women um, through WhatsApp groups and all the different kinds of things you can do, how to step in. But I think it really needs to start with acknowledgement. So maybe to go back and to think about everyone you know who's given birth in the last year, <laughs> even if their baby is now you know, on the brink of walking eight, nine months, go back to them and say, you know, I've just been, I had this chat today and I've been thinking like, wow, you, had, you gave birth at a time that was unique in history. Um, how was that for you? Oh, is that the lockdown baby there, Lauren? Oh, there we go. You know, like, how was that experience for you? And like, I can't imagine what you went through. Like, if you're open to talking about it, I'd love to hear about it. Um, so it's just like, I think just acknowledgement. Um, I know that when we've seen, when we've had that happening in the circles that we work, that's been really well received. On the, because I know Sekundia Network works with families, um, I would really recommend to also say to the dads in the picture, you know, who are like dads, partners who are like, what was that like for you? You know, that's also, it must have been a hectic experience not to be able to pop in and out of the hospital freely, to have to drop your partner off. Like, it's a big deal. I think just like an acknowledgement goes a long way. So um, I don't know if that sort of answered the question about the sorts of experience, but just to say exactly like the video, the video kind of gave an overview for general is that it is a physical and an emotional journey. Um, it is day three postpartum or after birth is very well documented as the bit like the day when we call it like day three, I call it the day of the weeps. Um, I remember clearly, clearly five o'clock in the morning um, in bed with my teeny tiny prem baby um, and crying crying and I was quite an I was experienced with babies um uh crying my eyes out and not knowing why and day three is just a day of a particular hormonal peak that can throw women um so yes your physical recovery may be good and you might see women walking around I mean I still think that's miraculous <laughs> but um but then you've got this massive emotional surge and your milk is coming in normally around day three as well quite you know the colostrum shifts over to, to active milk flow um and it's it's just hectic so there's the scene changes and then there's the unseen changes and remember obviously we tend to see people with their clothes on um i hope and so you won't <laughs> you won't have a sense of what's physically going on but if you have given birth whether it is a vaginal delivery or cesarean delivery it doesn't actually matter you know it's 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 a mess and it's real and it's not something because of course we still have a lot of stigma around that kind of conversation around bodies um that people might not be as aware of what is going on um so just take all that into consideration in terms of when you run over to see a new baby <laughs> that you know give the mom that attention Thanks, Julie, for sharing that. Um, so that I, I really, I think that whole idea that every birthing experience is unique, even for a mom who's had several or multiple births, it can mm -hmm. be a unique experience and acknowledging the season and the time when she's having it, and specifically in this COVID pandemic. Yeah. Um, I know when we chatted, you were talking about some helpful ways to support and care for moms from your experience. 
I, I, if you can quickly jump through some of the ways that we can frame the question or how to support moms well. And then I want to open up the floor to the group and see if there's any comments or any questions that they may have for you around Perfect. this topic. Sure. So I think one of the so there are very many ways that you can that that you can support um, um, a new family, a family that's bringing home a new baby. And um, obviously with COVID, there are some restrictions. You know, you might have come and done. You know, maybe you visited your friends in their homes before. Or that was part of your experience. And now, understanding that even with the numbers coming down. Um, that that mother, that father, they've been incubating that baby during a time of increased anxiety. And so they they might be feeling quite protective over their newborn baby. I think that's right. And I think you need to respect that. Um, so that means we have to be a bit more creative about the kinds of checking in because of course, we don't want to increase that mother's sense of loss. You know, I didn't have a baby shower. I didn't have all these people like ooing and aahing over me. And now I also don't get to have all my friends over for tea. So just be mindful of that. And I think that means we have to be really creative with how we can support. Um, I think one of the biggest uh, things that has been said to me a lot when people, when we've had, when I've been a part of these kinds of conversations is I ask my friend how, like, you know, to please let me know if she needs some help and she never asks. And I think, I think that speaks to, well, a lot of things. The reality is motherhood comes with the assumption that mothers know and must know how to do it all. And the feeling, whether it is real or perceived, is that I'm failing if I can't juggle my home and my other children and my new baby and my body and my partner. And so if you just ask an open-ended question, um, like, please let me know if you need a hand, um, I think there are very few mothers who will take you up on that. Um, those who do are amazing, and that's wonderful, but I think there are very few who feel confident. So I always say that it's really helpful to think about how you ask the question. Now, again, it really depends on the kind of relationship you have with someone um, in terms of how... Um, uh, I don't want to say forceful, that's not the right word, but how strong you come in terms of your, your offer to help. But let's take, for example, that this is a friend or someone at your church that you know fairly well. You could, and say, for example, you know that what you would like to do is bring them a meal one night. So I think instead of saying, if you'd like a meal, please let me know, change that to something like, um, I'm going to be cooking you a meal this week. I, what diet suits you best? Or I'd like to cook you a meal. I, I, I plan to cook you, to bring you a meal this week. Do you have any dietary requirements? So shifting the pressure, then if, if, if Ruth had to say that to me, Judy, um, I've bought ingredients to cook a meal this week. Which diet suits you best? I go, okay, well, she's already thought through this. She's got the meal ingredients. She's going to do it uh, Tuesday. Tuesday suits me best. You know, it's the, the guilt and the pressure of it now goes from me. And I, I'm taking it that Ruth is, has offered that because she's it's planned. I don't have to feel the pressure. So simple shifts like that, which is I'd like to help you with your, I'd like to help you with your other children this week. Which day suits me best? Suits you best? Or would it be better if I babysat your your daughter in the morning or the afternoon so that you can rest? Um, and again, it, these sort of these sort of framings of questions it really does depend on the relationship. For example, if someone I didn't know very well was suddenly at my home offering to do my laundry, I probably would be quite panicked. But if a good friend was like, "I'm here," 
which of the two, I'm going to do your laundry or I'm going to do your dishes. Uh, do you have a preference? Or what like, I've been like, oh, please do the dishes. They're staring at me, you know? So it, there is a relational currency and you do have to fill that out. But I do think maybe just think through the framing of the questions. And then I think the other thing to do is in the space. So, so obviously things like meals, dropping off baby items, offering to care for other children. If you can do that safely, especially if you've got other children, I think that's huge because ultimately you wanted to allow those two new humans, the baby and the flailing mother, <laughs> to have that time to bond and to rest. And really we can never like rest and bonding. If you're thinking about all the things that that mother needs to establish, she needs to bond with her baby and she needs to establish a good feeding routine. And that takes time, it takes, a peace of mind it takes the ability to practice it takes often the ability to not have your clothes your top on <laughs> so you can't really have people running in and out of your house so for me I remember being really helpful when my family took my eldest who was 18 months at the time you know and, and they they allowed me to then have that bonding experience with my new baby so that's huge but if you can't do that there are also free ways to help and I think checking in on a mother's um, emotional state, how she's doing, reminding that mum that she is seen, even if she's not physically seen because of the pandemic, she's still seen. So you've got to be intentional about that. And I think there are very few people who get this right all the time. And for those, if you do this, I'd love to know how you do this. But for me, one of the things I do is so WhatsApp, simple WhatsApp. And you actually, if you have a diary or a calendar or whatever it is, is to actually put those mums in your calendar as a like to-do list like you know whatsapp ruth 8 a.m 8 a.m comes and i would put that on like a reminder set that for three you know three four five weeks time every monday ruth will get a message ruth thinking of you how was your weekend how are you feeling how's it going with baby as simple as that if you're trying to create a community of a bunch of mums a whatsapp group would be a great thing to do if you're perhaps trying to create some a, a system of support in your church is to bring like to bring mums of a similar stage together because if for example i have just had my baby this week and bryony had her baby a month ago you know we can in, if you can create a space where we can chat about that you know i can learn from bryony's breastfeeding tips and ruth is three months down the line so we can start creating these sort of a postpartum huddle and if you've got the capacity to facilitate something like that you often need a facilitator in these groups not to like over engineer it but to you know pick a picture to throw out every week and to be a bit intentional about creating that space that's great if airtime is an issue for you and data is an issue for you as it is for many many people there is a free app called moyo messenger it's m-o-y-a i will send a link to ruth so that you can share it to download it takes up the tiniest like really the tiniest amount of data and the app has been designed to be completely data-free. I know it sounds too good to be true. They do a whole bunch of advertising things in the other platform, but I've spoken to the tech designer myself and the chat function, which works very similarly to WhatsApp. It's just that you can't send pictures and videos and that kind of thing, but the chat function is 100% data-free and I've tried it with the data switched off on my phone. So that is a great thing to do. Start creating little Moya mess and you can create chat groups so you can invite everyone here into a Moya group and we could be chatting for free. So it doesn't have to cost you anything. Obviously you do have to have a, a sort of a basic smartphone for that, I do know. Um, but it's that, it's get it, I think it's about 
routine and getting into the practice of checking into people and you need to figure out what that looks like for you but being intentional um is is a really great way to show a mom consistently you know i'm checking in on you because no two weeks are the same we know babies grow so much in those first three months and they go through growth leaps and milestones their feeding patterns change their sleep pattern change so you really need to be cons to be checking in on that that new family regularly does that help a bit Perfect, perfect. Thank you, Julie. So many good tips, and I'm keen to try and download Moya Messenger and see what it's like. Um, so I'd love to hear from the floor. I know time is running quickly, and this lunchtime always goes so fast. But any thoughts that are sparking, any questions, any other thoughts that you want to add to what Julie has mentioned about how we can care well for families? I'd love to hear from others in, our, in the room today. You're welcome to unmute yourself and jump into the conversation. Who would like to share something? Anybody got a question they want to add or some other ideas of how we can do as well? Likilele. Yes, May. Uh, I think um, the issue of Moya is, is I think is gonna work. Um, I was thinking of, um, because we've got number, number of women with, with, uh, with children to say, do you maybe to like to talk about the teething um, you need to know when the baby's teething they will have the nausea, others they will have the running time, something like that, maybe on, or com to communicate about teething and then sending the message to them. And then uh, uh, saying, if you have some question, you can, uh, you can ask, I'm ready, I'm prepared to, to answer you. I think it is going to work for me that way. Perfect. And I know, for example, Sakunya and a number of other early, uh, early um early years websites are available on Moya Messenger and they're data free. So any of the resources around, I know messages for mothers would be there if they're looking, they've got questions, they can find them on the Moya Messaging. So it's a great platform to share yeah, that and information too, that you can directly yeah. on Moya Messaging. And links into those sites are free. Yes. So you can, yeah. so the Moya Messenger app can actually be um, really useful. It's just about finding mums. You know, it's like when no one knew about WhatsApp, it took a while for people to yes. get used to it. And I think it's because it seems too good to be true that people are like, huh? But you just need to get, you know, three friends, three people in your network to commit to get it going. Um, and it's a great way, you know, those late night chats. Um, I mean, I've been a part of a mom support group before where we convened the chat quite deliberately <laughs> between like 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. And we were on sort of like shift to be available to chat them because that's often when new moms are awake. They're up with their baby. Yeah. The babies are restless at that time. And that's when you get the cries for help. They're like, I can't latch this baby. I'm struggling. What can I do? Um, so, yeah, thinking about the times that moms are, that would like to chat is really helpful as well. The three o'clock in the morning feed when you can't open your Absolutely. eyes. Absolutely. Anybody else got any thoughts before we start, wrap up today's conversation around how we can care uh, well I've for got, families? One more, Likilele. I've got the question. Yes. Um, uh, it's a question. I want to know that uh, the Moya is the app. They need to download a Moya or we just need, uh, I want to know about the, the Moya. 
So as far as I understand, you've got to download it. It's an app that you need to download, but it's not very big to download. No, it takes up minimal data. So there is the initial, you do have to download it, but it's very data light on data. Once you've got it, the chat function runs. Yeah. Cool. Hazel, I can see you beautifully on my screen there. Any thoughts from your side and your experience of caring for moms in this space? <laughs> Hi Ruth. Um, no, I'm actually just thinking um, with the Flourish postnatal classes that we are running and the environment that we are creating for mummies um, new that is having their newborns. And I think it was last night that I had the virtual class and the one mom said it's now two weeks and the umbilical cord didn't fall off yet. And um, just to do a referral for her, like to say, okay, this is what I can share with you about the umbilical cord. But I could sense that she was really worried and just the space for her to like voice it, because I think it's very difficult, like in your family now, you, you, you are the mom and you have to know all of these things. And yeah, just to have the freedom to say, but I really don't know if something is wrong or whatever. Yeah, and then there's just a cultural thing also amongst some of the women that we are having the postnatal classes with, and this is with the with the with the medicine that some of the um, uh, uh, um, mummies is using. I think is the ha. I'm not even sure how to spell all of those those names, but they bought they buy the small bottles and they they mix everything with and those things are um, having a lot of alcohol in and having the postnatal classes and just to share with them that you don't need all of this medications and your your breast milk it's all you need for the first six months and then you could actually see moms are staring at you with big eyes to say is it really like that and yeah just for them to come into a space where they can get the confirmation and yeah and to ask that question so yeah I, I really enjoyed the conversation today. I think it's so important to help moms come together in a group where they can share and feel safe to ask questions and we can normalize stuff and say and refer refer them for help where they have questions and say where can we get good information from where do you need to see your healthcare provider are you struggling with breastfeeding are you struggling with these things so I love what you're saying there Hazel um, I'm glad that you were able to support in that way. I, I just, yeah, just to say, um, I think one of the great opportunities, if you can say, if it's hard to believe in COVID, I'm um, just thinking about Flourish is, which I absolutely love, um, is that now, because you're obviously going virtual again um, with Flourish classes, it doesn't have to be area specific. So if you know, and I'm just a reminder, I mean, obviously there's Flourish hosts in this community, but that's, you know, if you've got a mum wherever, wherever in the world, but let's just say wherever in South Africa, you know, she can join in for a Flourish group. And so it's great to like look at those pros and say we can actually, you know, virtual communities do have, yes, it's not as great as being able to sit in a circle and have coffee, but they are wonderful for mums who can't get out. There's no transport costs. If you use something like Moya, it's data free. Um, you know, or if you use the Flourish um, uh, software, it's you know it's data free to the mum. And also that you it allows space for those late night conversations. And if you're hosting that kind of group, you don't have to be online all the time. You just need to get the initial conversations going. Whoever's awake at three a.m. will answer the conversation. The you know the call at three a.m but you've at least created that space um, for that mom to be honest. And I think, I think if we can do more of that, if we can create spaces where any mom anywhere can plug in, I think it's a really powerful thing. 
when she can. I know sometimes moms feel overwhelmed and a day disappears and she feels guilty that she didn't reply to a message. It's also taking the pressure off. Like when you've got a chance, you can reply. Like we know your hands are full. So taking the pressure off. Absolutely. Uh, Bryony, can I hand over to you? Bryony's going to share with us some resources, just FYI, what we can share with moms um, and wrap us up for the day. Thanks, Bryony. Sure. Great. Thanks, Julie, for that really interesting conversation and uh, for the comments. Um, it's, yeah, I think this time of the fourth trimester is really interesting. And as you said, the time that's key to supporting mum. And so as we, we heard, you know, there's the initial first two weeks from birth, um, which are the most critical time um, where mum, if she has postnatal depression or struggling to breastfeed, it's time that uh, it can be picked up and with proper support, mum can overcome them. And so that's why it's really um, key for for those who are supporting mums to check in regularly with mum within those first two weeks to see if she's struggling. And especially if she is a mum, I think um, as we've heard today is that she may not feel like she can ask for help or feels like it's normal what she's experiencing. Or yeah, like I think Hazel, you said how she feels like she's meant to know what she's supposed to do during this. Um, and so just like as Julie said, maybe it's the way we ask the questions um, that's important or just offering the help and saying to mum, I'm going to do this, what day suits you? Um, so just looking at how we, we do ask mum uh, how we can support her. Um, it's also as uh, we're told to set reminders uh, to check in with mum. I think sometimes often we forget or days pass by and then it does help us to remember. Um, but also I think what was key that came out of the conversation just now was uh, the consistency. I think that's really key for mama's consistency. So um, so that's the first two weeks are, are really important to help support mum with any struggles that she might have and get support for her um, and referring to her to um, other services if she does uh, or maybe showing signs of postnatal depression or uh, struggling to breastfeed. But the fourth trimester is uh, from naught to three months. Um, and so there's just things to remind mum. I'm just going to do like a bit of a wrap up summary of things to remind mum, such as attend her postnatal checkups. That's key, especially if mum's scared during um, COVID-19 and just to keep encouraging mum to go for her checkups and always to speak to a doctor or nurse if she is struggling with things like breastfeeding or soothing baby or if she's uncertain about what to do is the right thing like um, Hazel mentioned the medication and potions and stuff like it. just if if there's anything like that that she's unsure about to always encourage her to speak to her doctor or nurse um, and again to also encourage mum to look at who is her circle of support so we're not expecting you to be the support to mum or the only support that is being provided to mum, but to continue asking mum, like who in her family, friends, or in the community, community can provide support to her um, and encourage her to reach out to them and actually state what her expectations are or what she's needing from them. I know that, that can be hard, as we heard from Julie, to actually have mum express what she's needing and feeling like she's then putting the the should we say burden on somebody else but just keep encouraging mum to be able to look to her family and friends to who she can ask uh, for support but where you are able to um, do offer support um, as we heard such as setting up a whatsapp group um, or a community of mums to learn from one another or the moya messenger um, 
yeah and if um as, as we also heard thinking around the times that you connect with mum and the times that you can support mum um but sometimes even something as simple as we heard of a meal or even being the the person to offer walking home with mum from the hospital or the lift offering a lift home from the hospital um if you're able to do that but also i think what has stuck out for me as well is that um remembering that dad is part of this birthing experience as well and he also needs support and i think especially now during COVID-19 where they're not able to support uh, mums during the birthing uh, procedure and so I I was supporting a family last week where the dad was so worried because every time he picked up the phone he heard his wife crying in pain and he didn't know what to do and to actually recognize that dads are going through this as well that they they don't know how to support their wives or partners or mothers of their children when they're in hospital and they're not allowed to go in um, so I think it's just yeah, being able to uh, keep encouraging them. Um, and some of the ideas could be encouraging them to, to get mum to send photos to him as baby's born, um, or maybe video chats with her if she's able to, or to encourage skin to skin and bonding with baby once baby's back home um, so that he can also bond with, with baby, having maybe potentially, as we heard, not to have met his child for the first three days of, of its life. Um, so, yeah, there's just a few things to think through. And again, just um, to say with to mum and encourage her that if she is um, struggling with exclusively breastfeeding, uh, to always ask for help um, and to have, um, I know some of the Flourish ladies will know all the, the sort of do's and don'ts of um, to just to breastfeed exclusively, which means no mixtures, no waters, no food. But if you're not sure of this information, don't give information that you're not sure of to encourage mum to speak to the doctor for, for health advice. Okay, so with that, we have uh, developed a few, um, a few resources to help you. And I'm just gonna encourage you to go onto our website under the lockdown toolkit. I don't have time to show it to you now, um, but there's, um, a list of affirming phrases which may help you be able to send affirming uh, messages to mum and dad during this time. Um, there's also scriptures to send and there may also be some practical resources that you can send to mum as well, some videos or some tips. So go have a look on our website for how to support mum uh, during the first trimester, uh, fourth trimester. <laughs> okay, Ruth, back to you. Cool, thank you. I know it's two o'clock and it's time to run off to our other things that we need to do. I want to say a hearty thank you to Julie for giving up an hour to be with us. It's so nice to have you with us. Thank you for sharing your pearls of wisdom and your experience with us. Um, it's so good to have you with us. And thank you to everybody else for joining today. It's good to see your faces again and see your names on the screen. I'm so, yeah, it fills my heart with joy to see you all. Can I close us in prayer? And we look forward to seeing you next time. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for the conversation that we've been had. I thank you for each person here that represents families that they are caring for and supporting. And I pray that you'd help us to move towards moms and dads in this fourth trimester with compassion and empathy that we'd be able to really care for them in a really gentle and supportive way. And so I pray that you'd give us wisdom and discernment as we do that, as we recognize the uniqueness of this stage for each mom and each dad at this time. We pray that you'd help us to be the wind in their sails and strengthen them at this time. Thank you for this time and we pray that you'd go with each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening in today to the Sakunya podcast. We trust it has given you ideas of what you can be doing to support families in the first thousand days. 
Have a look at the links in the podcast description to access resources mentioned in this recording. And remember to go to sakunya.org.za to find out more and take further steps in strengthening families so that all children can get a strong start to life.